everyone. Welcome back to Left Page. I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, and writer. I have with me today one of the people responsible for an incredible project of which we, we're going to talk about and that I very much urge you to support. And the Kickstarter is now live. Yeah, we'll mention it later as well, but the link is already in the show notes. I'm here today with Justine Northen Kurtzen, Editor-in-Chief of Solarpunk Magazine. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, um, yeah. so like you said, my name's uh, Justine. I work at Solarpunk Magazine. Um, I'm, I, I started it, actually. And I, I edit at another magazine called Black Cat Magazine. And just, you know, kind of got the idea for this magazine because I've been seeing this the Solarpunk word, the name, around for for a while now mm -hmm. um, and it, it seems like it would be a, you know a good avenue to explore yeah for sure like as i am certain we're going to get into solar punk is very much the sort of writing and the kind of thing which my current research is tangential to but is sort of the focus of what what i'm thinking in terms of literature and politics and and those connections right now so um, i oh, when I saw you all popping up on Twitter and I was like, yes, I, I want to support this. I want to follow this. I want to talk to you. So I have. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. We appreciate it. I appreciate it too. Like it's especially on such short notice as you could. It's, it's this kind of thing. Like we support each other and we try to share and expand our work as much as we can. So to do a little bit of that, if, if, if any listeners can and end up sh showing finding and supporting uh, your Kickstarter, then it's already going to be, well, we're going to have done something excellent. Yeah. So what is Solar Punk Magazine? What's it all about? Very generic, very simple question to start yeah. us off. Yeah, uh, a simple generic question, but with a, a big answer. So uh, Solar Punk Magazine fiction um, that sort of brings together uh poses or is composed of you know a lot of different things like art architecture fashion um literature tv shows movies um all different types of kind of artistic expression it's it's like an aesthetic movement in a lot of ways and it, uh yeah like i said an artistic movement but it, but it's not just about an aesthetic here in our modern times it's about prefiguring the future that we want to that we want to live in, right? Um, and so, sort of creating the worlds that uh, that we see as as being better, more just, more equitable. Uh, and so, Solar Punk Magazine is about telling stories, being a, a science fiction magazine, um, telling stories that are set in the future. It could be the near future, it could be the distant future, um, but where, um, to some extent, at least. Part, you know, global social problems, climate change in particular, but also things like white supremacy and patriarchy, war, um, whole, you know, houselessness and hunger, all of these things um, to at least some extent are, are solved. And, and so then what do those societies look like? What kind of problems and challenges do exist in those kinds of societies? Because uh, as much as we would like to, to think that there's going to be some perfect perfect utopia out there i imagine we'll always have at least interpersonal <laughs> interpersonal conflicts with each other so um yeah, yeah. it's all about telling tell yeah telling those stories and 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 through that through those sort of short stories about the future 
um, really helping to kind of bring these ideas into the, the more general, general consciousness and the general culture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, because, and we're going to talk about this, but it's, it's about expanding on different types of stories and different narratives about the future that aren't just that dystopian, the tragic, the horrific, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all, right. but not, but not ceasing to explore difference, difficulty, challenge. Like it was a foundational and very transformative moment to me uh, reading Ursula Le Guin's *The Dispossessed*, because mm-hmm. it showed me like, oh, we can think of utopian stories, but still have, you know, difficulties inside of them because you know, humans. yeah exactly right well yeah and and i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna try and tell stories as opposed to just like you know present a landscape of uh, a futuristic looking perfect society then you know there has to be some kind of drama or else it's going to be a boring story um you know it might have interesting components that intrigue us and make us curious but it's not really going to like grip us as a as a story you know if you're thinking about like something you would watch on tv that really makes you want to keep watching or a book that makes you just want to keep turning the page exactly and like thinking of a better society doesn't take away any of that mm-hmm. <laughs> although yeah. you know although it's it it took i'm sure it, it took both of us uh some time to like undo that in the way we've been taught and learned and seeing the world that like oh no this is all there is and you can't think too big you can't dream too big <laughs> so <laughs> right yeah yeah but i mean why not i mean <laughs> exactly <laughs> big you know i mean because and and you know we we can still be be practical you know and and like like I said earlier understand that sure you know nothing's probably ever going to be perfect um, because we're you know like you said we're human but that doesn't mean that we can't can't dream and imagine it and if we don't then you know we're certainly not going to create a better world here in in the the real world uh, if we can't even if we can't even bring it up in our own imagination so exactly like it's the the fault of that argument of like oh but this isn't realistic who cares yeah i mean realism isn't like practicality either like it's Mm -hmm. it's just another fallacy that like oh no but this is all all that can be possible all that can be real and Mm -hmm. sure it's it's maybe a challenge and maybe we'll never reach that type of utopia that we'd like but to think of it to dream of it to try and reach for it or aspects or dimensions of it it's it doesn't make it like oh this is naive this is futile not at all like we we dream we think and if we are not thinking about what we want then if we're not envisioning that which we're after as well in terms of politics and action then we can lose track of what we're going after too sure yeah absolutely well and and pieces that talk about the work that people are doing now um in our communities and in in the world that are related to to climate change solutions and such but it's not all about like real life stuff anyways right it's a it's a literary magazine it's a science fiction magazine so you know and and the stories even though they're set in the future they still have to be somewhat believable or, or or you know people are gonna gonna toss it aside but no you know nobody i think is gonna look at us sideways for for even being a little bit over the top in the use of our imagination because uh you know we're, we're upfront about the fact that we're not trying to 
necessarily be practical that we're trying to dream big right yeah and and that's also an important aspect like it's it's about working and thinking and writing in terms of different fronts and also in literature that isn't necessarily practical that isn't necessarily this and that is dreaming big that's also important because you know it's it's important to have these horizons and to think like okay maybe all this isn't possible but also, why not? And how can this be possible too? Yep, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's what's great about the, is the stories that we, that we tell ourselves and then, and then share with other people. So, yeah, exactly. But yeah, in terms of stories, it's, it, it has been like, it's a very recent thing that I mean, uh, like just learning what is solar punk and these other types of punk and these other types of stories. And one of the things that we were talking about before chatting here is about having different types and other demands, culturally speaking, of other stories that aren't exclusively the dystopian. And Mm -hmm. that is something which I feel about strongly. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I'm I'm excited. Uh, One of the things I was excited about chatting with you is yeah. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to complain about dystopias again too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, and all the, all the little, the little things, the little perks, but yeah, there's, I think there's definitely a, I mean, there's a moment that we're in, like a, there's a, there's a cultural shift happening in terms of our storytelling. Um, and, and, and it goes back and forth. It's like, you know, like all, everything else, it's like a, a pendulum. I don't want to say a spectrum necessarily, but um, there, there's a, there's a pendulum in terms of, you know, like dystopia, utopia, in, in science fiction, at least other genres yeah. might have their own pendulums. But, you know, I mean, back in in the, the, the 60s, I mean, I guess is a great example. Or you could even go back further, like in, in the 20s, when you had there was there was a, a nice, nice little horror craze. Right. And so a little bit more on the dystopic side. And then you get to the to the 50s and then the 60s and you start getting Star Trek and things like that, where where people are, are looking to the stars. Right. The space race is going on and 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 it could be a, a wonderful, magical, you know, in a sense, future um, where all our problems are solved. And, and so very, very utopian. And then but over the last 30 years, the pendulum has gone back towards the dystopias. Um, for for a lot of of reasons, culturally speaking, you know, there's there's just been a lot of pessimism in the world in general because of things like climate change, really really bad political situations, lots of of wars, mostly started by the United States, uh, but but you know joined in by a lot of other of a lot of other national state actors as well, and so you know and just you know lots increasing disasters, all kinds of reasons to to feel pessimistic, and so our the stories that we were telling for a long time reflected this, you know, and I think there were a lot of other things involved in it too, like that you know the the Cold War and the nuclear scare, like all creating an atmosphere culturally where dystopias were the stories that were people were like eating up, right? Yeah. And and we're starting now to see it shift back. It, it hasn't happened completely yet. But, you know, I mean, because I mean, like, like we have Star Trek that, you know, Star Trek isn't in this like whole new iteration um, yeah. of, of its of its life and of the franchise. And the, the newer shows that are coming out now, they're darker that, you know, they're still sort of set in this utopian world, but they explore like the seedy underbelly of the Federation and and darker themes uh, and like things are, are, are falling apart or have fallen apart to various extents. But 
at the same time, we're we're getting shows and stories like like Sweet Tooth. Uh, that uh, as a comic book, it came out in like 2007 or 2009, which is really right around the time that solar punk started. Like, I think people, right around the time people actually started using the term. I think uh, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit before, but and very recently came out with the first season of a show on Netflix. Um, that and, and both the comic book and the the show, I think at least. Um, are really, really good. And it's set in a dystopian world uh, in, an, in an apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic world where things are not things are not perfect and utopic by any by any means. but it ha- it's so optimistic and and so hopeful like throughout the whole entire thing throughout the whole entire story. Uh, and so it's you know maybe not maybe not solar punk there, you know there's a sort of a similar, sibling genre called hope punk um, that doesn't even necessarily need to take place within the science fiction fantasy realm. It, any any kind of story could be hope punk. In fact, my other magazine, Black Cat, is going to publish an issue uh, in September that has a hope punk story that is Ooh, like only intriguing. only very, very vaguely, you know, there's like one or two lines in it that, that hint, hint to you that it's a future, it's kind of sci-fi world. But other than that, it's just like, a story about two kids that have a relationship and are talking basically, but it's just, it's amazing. Anyway, that, 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 that's a tangent. <laughs> it's a good one though. Yeah. But so, you know, so we're, we're starting to get stories that are more hopeful and more optimistic. And, and so, you know, solar punk has been around for a decade, maybe a little bit more. Um, and, and particularly in the short story realm is kind of where it, it literarily speaking, storytelling wise is where it got its start. Um, you know, fashion and architecture sort of have their maybe own tracks, but, but short stories is really where the, the solar punk phenomenon started for storytelling. And, and so we're now, we're really starting to see that come into the mainstream over the last year, less than a year, what are we, August, eight months or so. Um, there have been a number of articles too published in, in big media outlets like Yes Magazine, um, The Nation, BBC, that either are talking specifically about solar punk and the influence it's having on culture, or just the need in general for more u- utopian storytelling um, in, in our entertainment industry. Uh, and so, you know, when we get these big media outlets like that that are talking about it um, as a, 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 you know, who knows what will happen tomorrow, but a good indication that there's definitely a, a cultural shift happening to where um, these types of optimistic utopian stories are, are going to become much more common. Yeah. And like, I find that really interesting because I, I, I must have missed those, uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to hear of them because it, it gives like more, more people are aware of that of that being a thing and that that exists and that people can do that because mm-hmm. I mean, uh, from my uh, Brazilian background and what I see and very <laughs> oft, more often than not yelling on Twitter about sci-fi publishing and the publishing market in Brazil, it's like I follow this particularly large publisher. Well, it's not really large, but it has some pretty big contracts and it publishes mostly sci-fi and that kind of thing. And in the newsletter kind of thing, it's usually on like, oh, it's either more sci-fi themes or specific aspects or a certain franchise and there are like sort of pointers or other references or other links and articles kind of thing and in one of them in the past 
six months or something, there was one article talking about Echo Punk and oh, how can Echo Punk be darker? And I'm like, oh, get out. <laughs> Please get out. Because it, yeah. it's. <sighs> it's against oh no i mean it's just, yeah it's, it, that's the the it's the opposite of the point exactly like because <laughs> here's the thing this same publisher is the one that publishes leguin here in brazil they publish the dispossessed mm-hmm. and the left hand of darkness in some really good editions and translations uh some of their other translations aren't great but these ones are excellent and mm-hmm. like it's a beautiful cover it's a wonderful edition but whenever there's social media posts whenever they're talking about their own work they very rarely mention the publications they did on her. It's mostly, oh, but 1984, but Philip T. Dick, sure. or it's uh, Orwell got into public domain, so everyone's publishing 1984 and Animal Farm this year. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which has been driving right. me insane. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a little overkill. Yeah, and, and it's just like, oh, they have, they already have Ursula in their catalog, like they have it, but they give it so much less attention than the other dystopias or even like wider, more classical sci-fi, so to speak. It's like they have it. It's in their best interest mm-hmm. to ideally publicize it, but they don't because what is acceptable, what is more famous and whatnot is the, dystop- the dystopic, these horrifying futures, et cetera, et cetera. Like there was, and of a different publisher, like a horror publisher, uh, they did a literary contest last year. What was the novel that won? Dystopia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're definitely still in the, in the throes of it. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't uh, I don't think that dys- dystopian stories are going away anytime soon necessarily. Or and they you know nor will they ever go away. Yeah. I mean, someone will always be out there writing them, and some there will always be people that want to read them, you know, and me me included. Um, but like a lot of other people, like like you. Um, I'm I'm a little a little tired of them and and need a need to just need a break you know it's not like we it's not like I want a divorce I just need to take some time uh, see some other people for a little while read some other stories and you know some new ideas exactly like these other ideas and these other writings are possible <laughs> yep <laughs> and fun too exactly <laughs> like they can be so good and so interesting and like there is a history of them. Like, as I'm reading into, like, these stories from the 60s and Ursula Gwynn and others, like, oh, other people have been writing other hopeful stories for decades. Mm-hmm. But we don't know about them or we're not told them because, like, it's more, it's this focus on dystopias and these stories. Like, there was a, another podcast I was listening to, The Future is a Mixtape, and they were talking mm-hmm. about this, this terminal dystopia syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great term it's so good <laughs> because it's this like oh you can only think or the only valid way to interpret and understand the future is via dystopias and that's not true because that that has never been the case and that still isn't the case even though we're reinforced and told and shown that it is the only way it isn't and that's why like it's, i may be a bit brash or a bit intense and a bit angry on twitter or whenever i talk about dystopias but like it's not that like you shouldn't or you can't or you the people shouldn't write dystopias like write what you want, but you know like there are other kind of things that you can read and write, so like know this is a thing and be aware that like there are other kind of fun things and they can be really good too. Like it's not that oh but these are not dystopias so like they're just 
idealistic or they have no point or there's too much fantasy. It's like, well, no, but even so, like this doesn't mean they're bad or they shouldn't be taken seriously as literature. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and then like you said, there these more hopeful and optimistic stories have have been around you know they're, they're not it's it's not a new thing they're just stories that aren't you know they're not being publicized they're not being advertised by by the the folks that have the big advertising money i mean yeah. there's all kinds of solar like i said solar punk has been around for a good decade or so uh maybe a little bit more there there's there's all a number of books so I, I, don't, I don't know if i'd say all kinds but there's there's certainly a a, a good number of books um, that are out there that have been written over the last last number of decades. I mean, just to name a few, there's there's a there's a couple short story collections. Uh, one called Sun Vault, um, and then there's a, a couple that are called Glass and Gardens. There, uh, one Solar Punk Summers, and the other is Solar Punk Winters. And then like Pacific Edge by uh, Kim Stanley Robinson, uh, Suncatcher uh, by Aliyah Gee, um, even you know classics like ecotopia and you know like parable of the sower by octavia butler uh what's the one by starhawk the fifth sacred thing or or crucible of time by john bruner and then there's all kinds of them out there that that classify and i mean you know check off numerous solar punk you know nothing may, might check every box but you know and, and some of these books go back 30, 40 years, right? I mean, The Dispossessed is considered a classic solar punk novel, right? And it was in Ecotopia yeah. too, both written in the 70s. I think The Parable of the Sower was written in the 70s too, or the 80s. So yeah, I mean, you know, this stuff has always been around. We just need to popularize it. Yeah, there's a history of it. And like finding that history and continuing it and creating a new, like it's, it's a part of it. And that that that's not just dystopias aren't the only ones that can do that we can do that so let's do that yep absolutely it's not just because they are more popularized and they are given more advertising and more media time that they're the only ones who legitimately whatever that means can do that <laughs> especially nowadays you know in, in the 80s or the 90s or whenever um the, the tools weren't necessarily there to create cultural movements as easily outside of the sort of big moneyed interests now with with the internet and global communications the way that they are um you know even if even if the folks with money don't want to pay a whole lot of attention to it we still have ways of of getting this stuff out into the broader culture it might take longer you know it might not be overnight because you're not on netflix or whatever but you know but it still happens so and and maybe in a more meaningful and genuine and long-lasting way too yeah yeah exactly like you're you're all running a kickstarter for it and you're doing like it, it takes more time it takes more effort it, it takes a lot more people like from the start to get this these things working and out there but they are they're made with like this other type of care and this other type of want and desire of like no we want to do this this is why and the support and, and this effort really it's a different kind of thing which involves a lot more people even if less directly but that is is still important still valuable to do like okay maybe it won't be as big as like a large production or netflix kind of thing but it doesn't need to be either yep. no it doesn't it doesn't at all um you know i mean a magazine can be run with just one person 
um, nowadays, you know, with that, now that you don't need to print things. I mean, that it's a, it would be a lot of work. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it with just one person. And, and we're, you know, we're putting together a, a really cool and bigger than I thought team uh, of, of folks, editors and, and assistant editors and, and other, other, other roles um, at solar punk magazine, probably, I mean, we're, we're, we're still in, in the, the process. Um, I don't want to say it's hard to say hiring process because none of us really get paid, <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe one day if it becomes a big magazine, but then that's sort of the interesting thing about it. We're running this Kickstarter and we're like, you know, goal, you know, it's going to cost like $25,000 or so to put out the magazine for, for one year. Um, and, and that really only includes a stipend of like a hundred bucks <laughs> per issue for, for the editors. Um, and it, it definitely, you know, it includes paying authors at, at pro rates. So, um, you know, we're, we're really valuing the work of the people who were, were publishing. Um, but for those of us who are building the magazine, it's very much, you know, it's, it's not about the money. If, if one day we get, we get, it becomes a job where we can get paid, that might be great, but we're doing it because, you know, because we love literature and we love science fiction. We love storytelling and, and we are, I know most of us, if not all of us are, are activists in our own right and care about the world and want to do something to help build a better world. And so this is one way that we can, that we can do it. Exactly. And like, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. Like it's it's a different kind of work to it, but it's not less important for it. Like this cultural, this literary, like that's part of the reason like why I do the podcast here. It's about offering back a lot of these texts and ideas and conversations that people wouldn't be able to read or have access to or know about otherwise. And just like this belongs to everyone. So have it. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think it's something, uh, a mistake that the left makes and, and, uh, Shane Burley talks about this quite a bit. Uh, he wrote or fascism today, what it is and how to end it. And does, does a lot of research on, on extreme right-wing movements and, and really talks a, a good amount about how on the left, we lose something really important when we when we aren't fighting in the cultural realm, right? When we're only in in the streets or in city halls or, or where, whatever it happens to be. Um, because, you know, people care about music and they care about TV and they care about soccer or, or baseball. And then all, you know, all of these other things that are, that are more about culture. Um, and, you know, and and the right has done a really good job of using those things to to build. I mean, their their whole project, you know, what led us at least in the United States to where where we are, you know, all started in in the the back rooms of like deep web, you know, chat rooms, with with memes and images, graphics of of things that that ideas got attached to, and then they spread and and. And they spread further and then people look around and see that there's a lot of other people like them and then they feel like they have power and they get bold and they come out of the shadows right and yeah. so if if we're not going to be in that cultural realm also and we're not going to be fighting for for what we know is right for for anti-authoritarianism and and against capitalism and patriarchy and white supremacy and all of these things so that we can build a better world um, then we're we're going to lose a lot of people, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's 
it's important on a lot of levels that um, that these kind of projects happen, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's another type of battlefield, so to speak. And it's not one that we can give up. Like to do that is to, I mean, allow these fascist outright extreme right groups to do what they have been doing and even more freely. And yeah. that's not something that any of us can let happen easily like we shouldn't and we mustn't it's it's it, it may not be like the <laughs> the most oh the most everlasting or the most politically dramatic sort of act field of action but it's still important it's still relevant it's this also belongs to us like culture is also for all of us and it's supposed and we should not accept that it is or that it continues to be like oh feeding and growing white supremacy that it is like this patriarchal pro-capitalist all of this like we it's not something that we can give up and in that sense this sort of battle for the imagination putting it very dramatically while not like the only or the key battlefield is another one where it's still important to go there to think about it and to write in it and to participate in it and i mean it's one of the ways that i understand literature and that i understand my own work with it too like okay i may not be there i may not be able to do these other types of actions but i can all i can do these little things too and okay they're not going to be the big ones but they're still they still have the role about sharing these other tools these other ideas these other materials and it's one of the ways i find and that I believe Solarpunk can do, and Solarpunk magazine especially can do, and I hope will do too. Like it's, I, I do believe in in your project entirely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I think so too. Yeah, we'll see. The future will tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll stay hopeful for it. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I have a lot of confidence that that this will this will go well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Because it's like, uh, as I was saying, like there are other types of podcasts and friends and people that I've been talking to who are wanting these other types of writings, these other types of ideas and imagination. Like I, I mentioned Futures a Mixtape. There's another podcast mm-hmm. who was doing a similar project some time ago of like dreaming a better future and like taking these ideas and like, oh, how could we very like in a day, how do you picture living in a different kind of society, a better one, not a perfect one, but a better one. Mm-hmm. Like there is, as you, we were mentioning earlier, there is a growing demand, a growing want for it, for these types of stories, for these types of ideas, because they help us give meaning to our action too. Like it's, yeah, there's sort of the, it's important to open this horizon to something beyond like, oh, let's, it's not just about, oh, not burning up in via climate collapse. But it's also about how can we do something that's genuinely better, genuinely positive. It's that it, it's um, it's a concept that I, I I put in our outline and that I've read and thought about this idea of a horizon of expectations, which is like mm-hmm. this is the uh, this is the possible, and you know end of history, the end of the Cold War, all these kind of notions that like no, this is it, this is all there is, there is no alternative, and like fuck you, there is, there very much is. <laughs> there always has been and there always will be other alternatives and that's a part of our work that we're trying to do but we that is important it is fundamentally important 
to work towards and create and build, really. It's not just about opposition and standing against it, but about creating something positively, even if in imagination and like, no, it's this, this future, this end of the tunnel doesn't need to be uh, not as dark sky. This can be a sunshine day. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love that phrase, horizon of expectations. And I, I think, I mean, I think it, it fits perfectly, right? Like the, you know, our, our society and our culture at any given time has a certain set of, of expectations of like, of whatever, you know, what is, what's, what's appropriate, what's good, what's bad, what's funny, what's enjoyable, what's, you know, what's attractive, what's not, whatever, you know, always with variation, but, but, but the, you know, there's still these trends. And so the, the more we can get these stories into in front of people, whether it's on the page of a magazine or on the screens of a TV or a movie theater or in, on, you know, on a stage or at music or whatever it is, the more we can get stories like this out in front of people, the more we can sort of move those expectations, right? And so then eventually the sort of horizon of expectation is way over there right and so and and the stories that that we were telling are back here and and so that line's moved and and but that doesn't happen if if we're not out there doing things like this right like things like what you're doing to um to get these get stories like this out to people yeah and that's why i i berate (laughs) so many of like these publishing houses and the all this like oh but the dystopia the dystopia the dystopia the dystopia yeah we it's always the same the three dystopias or four if you're trying to be bold (laughs) and like it's like they've been done to death and like they it's like oh they predicted the future whatever one no they didn't and two uh can we think of something else can you think of a different type of story and like other people have been doing that let me show you this 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 it's like oh um hmm uh, but this <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know this what i mean it's one of the things that is cool about solar punk and 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 i guess it makes sense because you know it's all sort of based around this idea that you know that we need to solve these big problems climate change being sort of the the big one right um because it's sort of an outgrowth of climate fiction right where climate fiction is the more sort of dystopic older sibling uh, solar punk is the younger kind of more optimistic sibling um but there's other things that have been going on in in the background in the in the milieu at the same time afrofuturism is is a perfect example um where you know people of african descent and people in africa are creating mostly images but it's starting very much to bleed into storytelling to the the black panther series the comic books and the movie are both a great example of afrofuturism um where where they're reimagining um their past but in the future right and so it's sort of a, a blending of the african past with a more utopic sometimes dystopic future but and and you know and it's and that is uh, so solar punk is very wrapped up in in, in all of that. It, it ju- I mean, and, and and it makes sense because um, you know just like it's about solving problems of climate change, and I've said it a, a couple times I think already. But other big global problems too, like white supremacy and imperialism and war, that solar solar punk is also about 
solutions to those things, not not just and only climate change. Um, and so, you know, if we're going to combat things like imperialism and white supremacy, then we need to be hearing stories about African futurism, and we need to be hearing stories about Amazofuturism, which is this other thing that I just discovered not too long ago that is is really amazing, and I'm all I'm all on fire about. There's there's a new um, collection of short stories that's actually coming out uh, that's being published in Brazil called Amazon. Well, Amazofuturism in Portuguese, at least. If they, if, if they hit 140 percent of their goal, it will be translated into English, and so I'm like keeping my fingers crossed because I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> but uh, um, it's all all authors from Brazil and all authors, um, I believe all authors that are of, of indigenous descent that are, are are telling stories about what the future could be like if, if, it, if it was in an, an indigenous future. Um, so it's really exciting. Yeah, like there's, I've been following a different kind of movement here in Brazil, which is like the, um, it's not really an easily translatable term, but this idea of like the interior, like a, a sort of more rural area in the north and northeast of the country, uh, which is this figure and image of the Sertão and what would be Sertão Punk. And it, it, it is by these authors from the north and the northeast, which have been historically marginalized and put aside via a, a stronger and more politically relevant in inverted commas of the South and the Southeast. And they're publishing their own stories and writing their own stories, taking their own cultural images and history and past and rethinking the future. And not like, because there have been other authors from the South and Southeast who have been doing that, but from like, oh, this is what we understand that that type of future that other type of idea would be and not like these authors who are taking their own stories taking their own region taking their own past and present into consideration and that is really interesting as well because it's about and i, I saw um a collection i will need to get the name later but a sort of like various i think southeast asian stories that are sort of cyberpunk or hmm. sci-fi and it, it is playing with these ideas like, oh, how can we think of the future and of hope or even lack of hope in with our own present, with our own space and not just uh, not just taking like what was cyberpunk and that part in which is a fruit of a particular place and historical moment, but adapting what that sort of approach would be for different peoples, for different times and different spaces. And that an Afrofuturism is that as well. So I think these types of developments and solar punk is and can be that as well, are really fun ways to explore different futures, to explore literature and to explore sci-fi today in ways that aren't just space operas or dystopias. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and there's a whole, I don't know if they're put out by the same publisher or not i know uncanny magazine has put out one that's uh like disabled people crush smash science fiction or destroy science fiction uh, and then there's a like there's one that's a people of color destroy science fiction i'm pretty sure there's an lgbtq folks destroy science fiction so there's definitely start you know there's starting to be you know more more of the sort of you know not just stories about utopian futures but stories about utopian futures that are you know um with with p 
people from a, a, you know traditionally marginalized or historically marginalized communities sort of leading the way in in terms of solving the challenges and providing the solutions um, so that's exciting yeah like it's more people are both doing it and being able to do it and share with others so that's very cool that like not only they're doing it but that we're being able to find it to read it to learn more about it and just understand you know and really expand like what ways we can deal with sci-fi deal with writing and thinking about the future in ways that are different and interesting and good and, and useful to think about these multitude of issues which we're currently right. faced and that are intersectional and that are working with these ideas of climate change and white supremacy so it's it's fascinating like there, there is a lot that is being done and there's a lot that can be done and that's that's why i get so angry they're like oh but these traditional publishers at least in brazil like oh they're still doing the exact same thing always and like have you looked outside the window literally <laughs> right yeah but you know some people don't want to see what's right in front of them so <laughs> no so, so we so we we take it upon ourselves and we do the work that needs to be done and then we create exactly. our own magazines and we talk to different people and read stuff and tell people about it and and so we so we trudge on yep exactly and it's fun i enjoy it i don't know i don't know about you i mean I'm, it seems like you do <laughs> same <laughs> i can't complain can't complain that i have a lot of fun doing that it's it's great so yeah i think we've we've talked a lot about solar punk and solar punk magazine our projects and yeah. yours and, and like how we we understand like their importance and well what it is what it can be and what it has been too is there anything else that you want to mention or that i've forgotten or something um no just uh well i guess just that i think you know it's it's really important i mean you know not just that people you know go get solar punk magazine and read it um but that people you know go make like you said make your own magazines about it or or about similar things um you know or or write your own stories whether you submit them to magazines or or not you know we just need more 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 as much as we can get yeah i, I couldn't agree more so yeah i think that's that's it from us like just yeah uh th thank you so much for coming on thank you of course yeah it's it's been great and i'm i'm happy and really honored to, to be able to chat with you and share more about this project i i really i believe in it and i'm so happy and excited about it I'm sure it's gonna be yeah, great thanks thanks yeah this has been a lot of fun we're looking forward to it yeah so again all the links and especially solar punk magazine's kickstarter is in the show notes and wherever and on Twitter and wherever I will be sharing it with the Kickstarter link. So please do support it if you can, or at least share about it and tell friends about it. Yeah, please do. We've got some really cool stuff too, really cool perks that come along with donations. So um, yeah, check it out. Yes, that is extremely exciting. <laughs> so yeah, from me, thank you. Thank you so much once again. It has been great. And this has been a lovely time. If you can as well, please do check out Solarpunk Magazine on Twitter at solarpunklitmag. And yeah, you can also find the left page on Twitter at leftpagepod or my own work at Frank Gothic. And if you can also support what I've been doing, uh, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash leftpage, where we have both um, the reading corner where I go after some other 
type of fiction or nonfiction or larger, wider questions and write about them a bit that wouldn't necessarily make it into a single episode. And the writer's desk, where I've been considering the matter of writing fiction and considering politics in that mix, uh, which is a very simple topic, but I've been having (laughs) fun too. So yeah, uh, if you're interested, do check those out. There are a couple of them which are open to everyone. And I think the pilot of the writer's desk is also available in the main podcast feed. So yeah, um, do check it out. Do support Solarpunk. And yeah, hope you have a great time, a great week. And I'll chat to you soon. Thank you once again. And bye-bye.